You are listening to Mark Hatmaker Rough and Tumble Raconteur. This is a grab bag of old school Western martial arts, resurrected indigenous ways and empirical musings tinged with a heavy dose of respect, admiration, let's call it hero worship, for these hosses of yore. Hey crew, this is Mark Hattenmaker coming to you from the Command Sharia. Today, let's talk about an old world phenomenon. When I say old world, I'm talking about uh, here in the U.S. of A. Uh, something called running the gauntlet. Um, now, any serious survey of uh, battle-ready preparation amongst warrior cultures will find a similar practice uh, recurring that we were going to blanketly term uh, running the gauntlet. Running the gauntlet has manifested in uh, many forms with the running theme, apologies for the use of that verb, being uh, the warrior or captive in many cases being tested or tortured or in some cases being trained, depending on the circumstances, to either A, run or move through a dual row of warriors who are punching, kicking, slapping, abusing the runners. They move from one end of the gauntlet to the other. Now make sure we, we, we picture that. I want you to imagine yourself uh, at a field and you've got, let's say, uh, 20 to 25 uh, mean lane warriors uh, to the right of you lined up in a rank and to the left, 20 to 25 warriors facing each other and right down the middle of this small gap. And if you are the one running the gauntlet, you are the one who are moving down past through that as quickly as possible. Sometimes this is armed, sometimes it is unarmed, being hit, kicked, pummeled. The key for the gauntlet in the old, <laughs> many of the indigenous tradition, whenever you had a captive, you might be, you might be dead before you reach the the end of this gauntlet and actually we're not going to cover there are actually many wild wild first-hand accounts of uh, people who who went down under these people who witnessed uh, people who didn't make it and some captives who did make it and some captives who actually went on the offensive and there are actually some th ideas that we can use in the here and now to realize how did you survive such a thing that can be used uh, in, in, a, in a mass attack I actually echoes some of the things that um, some of the wisdom we've heard from Sonny Barger talking about surviving a uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, you know be surviving a stomp in in, in a biker bar, but. We're going to get to some of those uh, tactics later on. That's going to be strictly for the black box folks. But today, uh, we're introducing the idea of running the gauntlet and give you an idea of how we can actually use this uh, for actually during an active shooter situation. Anyway, you're running through that gauntlet, moving through there, and then the weaponless runner, that is you, you're given a small head start. And you're just sprinting for the life of you after, after which the weapons will need pursuers. They're going to follow in waves, sometimes in mass, to hunt down the prey. So there's two forms of this gauntlet here. Sometimes it's just moving through this dual row of people uh, eating the licks and seeing if you can survive and get to the very end of it. And other times, though, it is an active pursuit, an active chase. For those who like reading the literature, such things, it's like the, the most dangerous game by Richard Connell. You're just out there taking off and the hunter is going off after you. Um, and how this would work in waves, you would take off, get your running start. Maybe you would a handful would take off after you. Then there might be a smaller count than the next handful and so on. Anyway, it's just you against everyone. You were, you were the rabbit in this scenario or you're the fox in this fox hunting scenario. It's going down. Now, if you're, you, you dig movies, you can see two film representations of this uh, second form of the gauntlet running. And there's Samuel Fuller's film. Uh, it's a Western called Run of the Arrow or Rod Steiger's Pursued by the Sioux. Or you can look at Corn. Cornell Wilde's, it's a grittier film, probably a better film, called The Naked Prey, where the star director, Cornell Wilde, is subjected to the grueling chase, uh, this time in Zimbabwe. 
Although that second film, uh, The Naked Prey, is set in Africa, the story's based on John Coulter's actual experience in the Old West, where he was subjected to a running the gauntlet by the Blackfoot tribe in uh, Wyoming, 1808. So curiously, the actual Old West accurate one is set in Africa. Anyway, also, Trivia Time Part 2, if you do take a look at The Naked Prey, Cornell Wilde, again, he's the director of that film, he stripped naked, save a loincloth, even though actually most of the time they're running the gauntlet. It's just, you really were naked. You're running barefoot through this stuff and just nothing. Uh, but uh, Cornell Wilde strips uh, naked down to that loincloth remains thusly clothed throughout much of the film. Keep in mind, he's performing his own stunts. When you see all the you know, bumps and scrapes and all this, these are happening. Now, uh, uh, Cornell Wilde was an athlete. He was a hoss. I mean, I mean, this guy was a world-class fencer, and he qualified for the Olympic Games in 1936. And whenever you take a look at this filming here, uh, you, you go, it's no, we, we're so used to seeing these steroid-ready bodies now. You look at this guy, we're going, he's doing these stunts, and he's moving, and he's over 52 years old at the time of this filming. So, come on, man. That's badass right now a kinder version of this version of running the gauntlet shows up in many tribes where blunted arrows are used to train brother warriors to keep them on the move i mean they're still going to hurt they're going to bruise up big time when you get hit but they were still keeping you uh, learning how to move uh under fire and make sure you can and, and keep moving now, we also see this in a form of modern military training where soldiers or operators are taught to cross open ground that is subject to sniper fire with a, ser a series of prone start runs. In both the tribal and modern versions, the warrior starts out in concealment in a prone position, then rapidly gets to his feet, sprints hard and fast, then hits the ground in prone position again. This open ground is covered in this up-down manner to prevent this target acquisition. And it's interesting, the tactic that was being used by these indigenous tribes uh, is also adopted by many of the special forces today. See, this commonality is the amount of time spent on the feet. Whether it be arrow or rifle, it seems a skilled armed opponent needs a little bit, an approximate three seconds of sighting time to get a clean shot on a moving target. Now, with it in mind, uh, we see it in action of uh, prone, and then on the feet, three-second sprint to prone again. It's repeat as often as possible. So, in other words, it's uh, down, up, three-second, everything you got, boom, hit the dirt, and then right back on that to make the target acquisition a little bit tougher. <clears throat> and this is, again, it's no guarantee, but it does seem to have some uh, uh, survivorship bias to it for it to have worked in, uh, in, the, in these indigenous traditions, and we see it uh, persist up to now. Now, this three second rule seems to have persisted over time. Now, in the Comanche version of the practice, warriors were taught to say to themselves the phrase, uh, uh, which basically means run rabbit down. So uh, how would it work out? You hit the ground up, and then while you're running, you are screaming aloud, then bam, down. So you're using that phrase to remind yourself up. That phrase is your mnemonic to hit the dirt and then be back down. That way you're just not trying to count to three. You're using something that has a, a bit of a uh, emphasis, emotional content behind it. In modern military practice, these three-second phrases, uh, can, uh, there could be a series of them. Uh, you can hear some saying, I'm up, I'm down, he sees me. That gives you the three seconds, which is taking place of the Comanche phrase of uh, Some actually will say, though they up, run, yelling full metal jacket, then boom. Uh, these all give you this approximate three seconds to get used to this up, down, up, down, up, down. These, are, again, used to provide this warrior mnemonic to lock onto, provide timing for the burst over these open ground. 
Now, if we want to train such a thing and actually have uh, gain a little bit of the fun and the benefit from it, to grab a bit of this ancient modern pragmatic training, use it to provide variety in our own practice, uh, let me give you a drill that you can kind of spice up your training day if you want. And we'll just call this the run of the arrow half mile or run of the arrow quarter mile, whatever floats your boat here. Uh, you set your course, whether it's half mile, quarter mile. I want you to start from the prone position. Then burst to your feet, repeat your three-second phrase of choice. At the end of that phrase, hit the ground fast. Just don't stop and reach down slowly. You're supposed to be up and down. So it's going to be best to do this in a grassy area. Keep in mind you're not truly running the gauntlet, so you don't have to bang yourself down on cacti and hard flinty stone. You're going to hold your down position for approximately three seconds. Then you're going to rinse, wash, repeat. Now, it's a very much like doing sprinting burpees in a sense, except this has some practicality to it. You know, burpees are just mindless. You just grind that stuff in and out, and it gets to be boring. This actually gives you something to work towards. And also keep in mind, perhaps you're in a god-awful active shooter situation where there is open ground. Like we can think of the Las Vegas uh, shooter firing from the hotel down into a concert ground uh, position. Most time active shooters are working in these confined areas but if, if god forbid you're ever caught in something that's open ground you get to do this and often this is better again uh, just you know slagged and burpees it's a great conditioning tool but we got to keep in mind we want to burst things unlock your training to some degree um Make sure you're actually doing something. I think just uh, this past week, I heard a man whose opinion I expect very much was talking about he puts in a good five to ten minutes of balance work before every training session every single day. He does five to six training sessions per week. And this balance work he's doing, he's sometimes using a rollerball or the other, sometimes he's using this other small uh, bit of a equipment to, anyway, he's trying to find something to have the balance to duplicate. Uh, which you might find in surfing or skateboarding. And he, he says to himself, and he's been doing this for years, and he says, yeah, I've never surfed or, or skateboarded. And it goes on and uh, just talking about that, that gear. And I thought, you know, I'm sure you're thinking the same thing of going, well, surfing and skateboarding or any upboarding, anything would be far more fun. If you're going to put that much time into something over a lifetime, why be locked inside the gym? If you want to learn balance, you go out there and, you know, find something that's fun to do that actually will give you some balance that has some benefits over it rather than going at the end of your life. You said, yeah, I stood on a piece of gear or same thing here with this uh, gauntlet run rather than just doing a bunch of burpees. We get out there and do something that you might actually use, shakes it up, has some emotional content. And again, the drill I just described to you, if you're hitting this with intent, the anaerobic demands are going to kick in fast. If we add to it the emotional color of fully envisioning pros with a rifle or bows at hand, we get an extra charge of the practice. And you know, again, God forbid we ever need this practice in our actual lives. But if that horrid eventuality is ever meant, well, as the special forces warriors everywhere say, never do anything for the first time in combat. Or as the Comanche brave is advised, wumitul which means we must prepare. So you're actually doing what you might be asked to do, hopefully have some fun with it, and break out of the box of just using just training and conditioning to stand at the gym and, you know, use a piece of gear, or do your burpees, and just mindlessness, get yourself back into some mindful training. Anyway, enough of that rant crew. Hopefully you enjoy the history. You put your eyes on those films if you have a, a mind to it. If you take a look at the uh, Rod Steiger f uh, film, the uh, the Western, you get to see uh, Charles Bronson in, in his 30s. And again, take a look at what a natural physique is. He's one of my spirit animals. Man, I dig that guy. Uh, 
If you want more information on our our training uh, practices, whether it be the actual combat stuff or the unlettered training uh, conditioning material, as we do, uh, take a look at our website, ExtremeSelfProtection.com. Take a look at our blog, which I'll link to all this stuff down there. And if you like this podcast, you know, support it, man. Like it. You know, give it a favorable review if you don't mind. The algorithm gods are kind to us when you do that kind of thing. In the meantime, though, take care of yourself, Kurt. Really appreciate it. Well, if you dig what we just discussed today, uh, I'd like to invite you to like and subscribe to the podcast. Hell, support it if you want. I'm not your dad. Do what you want. And if you're a glutton for punishment, uh, just visit our website, ExtremeSelfProtection.com. You'll find links to the blog, all of our products, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more pages of like musics. Mm-hmm.